Welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host, KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. Let's get started. Woo! So this is a special episode of the GameDev.TV Podcast. It's episode 100. So this is an interesting episode because I got all the instructors on and if you guys each, each want to introduce yourself to everyone, like start with you, Lucy. Hi, I'm Lucy. Um, I'm the community person here. That's oh, me. Sam, I'm someone think... now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Is it, I'm here. Um, so yeah, Sam in instructor uh general c plus plus and um uh c sharp and everything web stuff um yeah that is just i seem to be in in all the pies which is good because nice. i like pies <laughs> rick, you're hello i am rick uh my specialty on the team is telling dad jokes that seems to be what the community recognizes about me they're regularly saying about uh, my poor jokes so that's my claim to fame within the community Ben, you know. Hey, Ben. Yeah, generally, uh, pie, fingers in all pies don't do much instructing these days, as you probably noticed. But most other pies I'm related to one way or the other. I too like pies. Hey. <laughs> all right. Aaron, you next? Well, hey, I'm Aaron. I'm uh, one of the co-hosts with you, Kevin, on mm-hmm. this Game Dev TV for the Community Podcast. I'm a student at Game Dev TV as well, uh, enjoying the Unreal and C++ courses. And I'm Brian. I'm Brian. I'm uh, one of the co-hosts of the podcast. And last but not least, Ricardo. I'm Ricardo. Uh, I did a few <clears throat> C++ courses. I'm one of the co-hosts here. And... Um, yeah, I'm a programmer. Awesome. So today we got all the instructors on because it's the special 100 episode and I want to get dive into questions that they might have not been asked or just to get to know them more and to, you know, get to interact more with them. And then also we have questions from the community, from other people around that want to know more about different things with C++, Unity, Blender, all the good stuff. So actually I want to get started to ask a simple question to everyone basically is what does GameDev.TV mean to you? Yeah, you know what? Um, it at the start of us creating courses, I think it means trying to create the best possible education for people, enabling their their dreams. We know a lot of people in our community who have a, a, a hobby. They love game development. They love talking about it, thinking about it. And so we're part of that process. But for me, as time has gone on, the, when I think of game dev TV, I think of the community. I think of the tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people who help each other, support each other, talk to each other, and all part of that same dream of just loving to work on their hobby, which is game development. Mm. Beautiful. Very good answer. God, tear to my Thank, eyes. Thanks. Very I had that one written down. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready. Got a few Kev, more written Kevin, down here. Kevin That's slipped fun. you on. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. I did. Oh, he gave me the questions beforehand. I'm keeping here. <laughs> uh, Lucy, you want to go next? Yeah, mine's, mine's the same. Just... Um, the community and how supportive everyone is it always is such a nice place to come to work and um and show up and just um yeah see everyone being so supportive and encouraging and positive and doing the things that they love um and then you know and then the guys that i work with as well but mainly mainly the, the community mainly the community <laughs> the guys, mainly the guys you work with right <laughs> the community sorry quickly brushing that off yeah i like how you i like how you do work lucy was that a <laughs> when i show up for work coming to work with these professionals <laughs> it's just too much fun that's why it's work exactly exactly that's when you're having this much fun it can't be work exactly that's what yeah. you meant of course <laughs> <laughs> Sam, how about you yeah well i mean obviously all of the above i think the um i think it's just a, a fantastic and unique learning community i've not not experienced elsewhere and um it's just i'm continually surprised by the level of support that everyone gives each other um in the community and just the the dedications going above and beyond 
um, both in in giving support to other people as well as the the work that one's doing on on their own learning. So, you know, the the extensions people do to their their projects or the courses, the the way they go beyond. Um, so I'm constantly impressed by the community and the work that the community is producing. Beautiful. And now Ben, how do you feel about GameDev.TV? What are your thoughts on it? What does it mean to you? Uh, similar, similar. A dedica very dedicated and just decent bunch of people. I mean, just everybody, you know, community and people, you guys, are all just a de just it's surprising to get so many good people together um, in one place. If we like have an AMA, we don't even get trolls very often. I shouldn't have said that now. Next time, we're going <laughs> yeah. to be Thanks, loaded with them. But I'm just amazed by how just how a good a good bunch of people they are. I think they uh, must be trying to compensate for something. Great. <laughs> Maybe. Now, it's I'm awesome. curious, and I'm pretty sure the community is curious, like what drives you guys to do this GameDev.TV? Why do you guys instruct or do community work? And any of you can take the first initiative to go first. Well, I think I'll, I'll go first. I think the, the thing is it's, a, it's fun to build games. I think everyone uh, here would probably agree. Um, and it's, it's also just... I think it's it's really interesting to be able to dig in a little bit deeper than you would um, if you're doing something commercially. For example, you it's often just rushing to a deadline. You're trying to get a project complete, whereas when you're creating a course, you can really take some time to dig in and um, think about how to how to do it in a, in a way you know think about the best way of doing things, think about the best practices, um, and do it in a way where you can care a lot more about the craftsmanship of what you're doing along mm. along the way. Um, so because you are showing the process and that that's you know the important part of what you're doing. So you can spend a lot more time on on that with um, because none of it's hidden away. You know, in a, in a game, the end result is like as long as it plays well, it's good. Um, no one's going snooping behind the scenes. Um, and I think yeah, it. It's it's fun to be able to do that. It's fun to be able to take that level of care and attention over things. Who wants to go next, Lucy? Yeah, I'd I'd agree. It is it's really it's nice to be able to be in a place where we can experiment with different things and be so in touch with the community that when we hear feedback from them, that we're able to actually take that on board and action it, and you know change the way we've done a course or the way we're rolling something out, or um, and to be that connected then it, you can feel really proud about what you're doing because you can keep iterating on it until we get it. You know, we hear good stuff back and then you're like, yeah, they're really loving it. This is really hit, hit the nail. And that just feels, that feels really nice. That's proper job satisfaction when you get, mm -hmm. when you get that. And the stories, the community share, when we get those stories of, you know, you helped me achieve this or get this job or make this game or, you know, that just it properly, you know, everybody around the, team just has big smiles on their faces for the whole day when we get stories like that so that's really amazing anyone can't get enough of the uh twitter posts and all the like the funny gifs and memes you post brings a lot of joy and fun to the community <laughs> rick you're next um i don't know if you see me keep sliding down the screen but my main goal being part of the this whole process is to get enough money to buy a new chair this, this chair is like slowly, something about the hydraulics it keeps leaking but it's it's random it's on an intermittent schedule so every now and again it's like boop, i'll just drop down so yeah driving me crazy but anyway soon soon we'll run another kickstarter like let's get rick a chair let's or maybe chair. A <laughs> But in, in terms of the actual yeah. Uh, anyone got a spare chair? Send it to Australia. Rick at Australia. Um, in terms of the content itself, I, you know, when I was when I was a young lad, there was no avenue for me to get into game development. There was no such thing as a game designer, which is what I desired to be. There was no way of easily learning an engine because engines kind of weren't really around. It was very difficult to learn code. So I ran up against this huge wall when I was very excited about game development. There was no resources for me to, um, to actually get stuck into it. And so I want to make sure that's not the case for young or old folks out there who are interested in it, but a little bit apprehensive, a bit scared, a little bit, if they look at YouTube, there's just a mountain of stuff. Where do I start and who do I trust? So looking right from the very start of the beginner saying, I'm really excited about this, but I'm a little bit scared, particularly the programming side of things and giving them the easy flow so they can go from interested and apprehensive to 
um, creating something that they can look at proudly and say, I made this. Not necessarily that they're going to go sell it and put it out, uh, you know, publish it just yet, but they can proudly look at it and say, I did the thing that I've always wanted to do. And I've moved from being a consumer of video games to being a creator of video games. I think there's something really powerful in all of our lives when we look at something we consume and we also participate in the creation of that, not just the consumption of it. Yeah, it makes you appreciate it more. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually enjoying not being at the coalface of the production of the courses now from the standpoint of how much I enjoy video games these days. I'm enjoying them more now, again. I went through a lull where when I was sitting there coding them day to day, I didn't enjoy them quite as much, strangely, um, because I just couldn't stop myself from kind of ripping them apart in my head and trying to work out what they involved, uh, which was... uh, So so I'm quite enjoying, now that I work on the business rather than on building business, video games I'm, I'm enjoying video games more so it's just reminded me that you know i've loved video games since i was a tiny kid and i still i uh, still <laughs> love them so it's great it's just great to I, i'm looking forward to the day when i sit down with a family and play and enjoy a game that we discover was created by you know our students when it, it's going to take a few years to filter through the pipeline but uh, i'm looking forward to that day when my when we can say yeah these are these are our students that we helped or had some part in helping so that that's going to big big one for me it's, it's probably useful as well, KB, just for listeners out there or watchers out there who aren't familiar with the process, the, that all of us are involved in all of what we do. You might see just the instructor who's there recording the content, but Ben's talking about working on the business. There's tons of conversation we have about what's the right course, what are students interested in, you know, talking to Lucy saying, hey, what are you hearing in the community, talking to you guys on the podcast, you know, what, what are you hearing about people, what questions are they asking, what's the curriculum, how fast do we go, so there's so much to do with putting together just getting one lecture in the hands of people that everyone's involved in it, and I know sometimes people might say, hey, I haven't seen Sam for a while, or where's Ben, or um, to just, it's good for people to know that we're all actively involved in everything that happens, even if it's only the, the one instructor they're seeing in the course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very impactful. Now, Aaron, Bryant, and Ricardo, since you were both students of Game2.TV, what, like, what made you do Game2.TV? What was your first course and why does it mean a lot to you? I started with the C, uh, the C Sharp course. And it was just more to learn how to program. I know that we kind of talked about that on the other podcast. So I wanted to learn C Sharp for business. And I just thought doing the games would be a fun way to learn C Sharp. And it actually taught me quite a bit. And I've developed business apps and small games as well along the way. Why do you? Why did Game to TV provide you that and not some other resource? Because <clears throat> quite honestly, at the time, there wasn't really any other good resources. Um, you know, Unity was was popular, but it was mostly limited to their documentation or kind of disjoined YouTube videos. And that was about it. So it didn't kind of, it just didn't flow properly. So having the curriculum really helped. Yeah, kind of the same thing as Bryant there when it came to the original course that I got on Game Dev TV was the C Sharp Unity course. Um, for largely the same reason, because, you know, the, the way that it was delivered and the way that the content was structured was better than pretty much anything else out there. I mean, the other options, I guess probably shouldn't name names, but, you know, the other options that were out there just weren't as good, right? Um, and then I had a need to learn C++, um, not necessarily the Unreal Engine, but I found the content in the Unreal Engine course to be exactly the same way. It was it was structured in such a way that it introduced you to the to the necessary concepts and gives you a really good leg up into into the language, which was my objective, not necessarily the Unreal Engine, but just you know programming in C plus plus in general. So yeah. So why uh, I started with the C plus plus course. Um... I had a background in Unity. I learned with like a friend of mine making random games because he was uh, already studying games for for a while at the time. And uh, fast forward five years, I want to learn <laughs> C plus plus and uh, Unreal. And I searched for a few courses. I looked at the curriculum and stuff. Looked pretty interesting. Looked very complete. Big enough. And uh, I went for it, <laughs> pretty much. Beautiful. So I was asking those questions to lead into how you guys structure the courses and Ben specifically. Evan, you, KB, you haven't answered the question yourself. Oh. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, true? <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't <laughs> often get asked questions, but so <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was hoping someone would ask me finally. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of funny because back in twenty, I think it's twenty fifteen, I was thinking about making like a food app. So I was like, oh, I need to learn how to program. So then I found the C sharp course on Udemy. And, you know, they have those deals for ten dollars, and I was like, perfect. Let me let me get in and dive into C sharp and Unity and. Ever since then, I just did pretty much all the courses. Any new course that came out, it became like a fanboy. It's like, yo, the new one's out. Let me try this one and that one and that one. And that's that's pretty much how I got into Game.TV. And now it's become very impactful for me because it's helping me learn what I need to learn to move forward in my career, but also helped me interact with a lot of amazing people that has taught me a lot of things that I didn't know originally and helped me grow as a person too. So that's that's what this whole thing has done for me. And it allowed me to meet you guys. It's awesome. Good answer. It was worth asking. <laughs> there you go. Beautiful. But yeah, so Ben, and back to the whole question about courses. So specifically, Ben, how did you come up with the way you teach these, instruct these courses? In the early days, um, by doing a lot of shit wrong, excuse the German. Um, yeah, I mean, I, so, I mean, we started by going on Kickstarter and saying, we're going to teach you unity. We're going to teach you uh, you. We're going to teach you in, what did, we, what did I say, JavaScript rather than that horrible C++, which for a start was pretty terrible because it was Unity script, not JavaScript, and it was C sharp, not C++. So to give you an idea, you just had no clue to start with. So obviously the community, the existing game dev community, kicked back a little when we shared that Kickstarter on their group. They said, you monkeys, you don't know what you're talking about. You should use C sharp. They're going to discontinue Unity script. So we fixed that. And then we started making course. And they said, well, you guys speak too fast and you don't pause the video. And there's no... so we fixed that. And then they gave us more complaints and we fixed that. So what we did and still, I hope, do is to just basically pay a lot of attention to the negative feedback and then assume that if one person has a complaint that actually is the tip of an iceberg of probably 100 people the other 99 of which haven't had the courage to speak up and just counter the objections but not by apologizing and um kind of justifying them but the the attitude was from very early on was if there's an issue with the course i would try and actually just fix that issue with the lecture in question then go back to the student and say hey thank you you're right take another look what do you think now and that that really served us very well. So this relentless patching that still goes on to this day um, is just, is hard work, but, and particularly in a coding course, really hard to do, but is, is really, really quite valuable because the student's right. If they're stuck and they've lost, uh, they've lost track, it's our fault. So um, just a lot of getting stuff wrong, to be honest with you. And I've got to pay some credit to Brees because from the very early days, Brees was very, who obviously isn't, hasn't been with us for many years, but he was very opinionated about certain things and the way we should do things. Um, and uh, that was very helpful. So he had a lot of good ideas early on. And then since then, the, the, the team is just a completely different process to when we started now. And everybody else has just added their bit. And we've all just just kept what's good and discarded what doesn't work. Um, so you use the game development technique to design the game development technique yes. course? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, 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 exactly, yeah. And then how about you guys, Sam and uh, Rick? How do you guys develop the courses? Is it the same way as Ben's, a little bit different? What's your unique twist to the courses? Yeah, well, uh, same way, but, but better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, but seriously, I think we, we learned a lot from Ben's courses and from what he's done as well. So I think, you know, the the whole game dev TV experience builds off of that. And as Rick said, you know, this, we don't do courses in isolation. So you'll see like a course with me or a course with Rick will obviously add our own flavor. And I think that's so you know, to some extent, not really conscious because we're just different people. And so we just add our own flavor. Um, but the way that courses are done and the kind of that whole structure it has really been built up from those original courses and we've just as as ben said just been build um building upon it at on the successes and discarding what didn't work so yeah now i'm curious is there anything that was difficult that like maybe ben was good at but you were bad at when you were starting out doing all the courses <laughs> yes yeah yeah um i think i think question, um, Jamie. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh, i think you're I think like my... literally asking somebody to throw somebody else under a bus right well, now. no like, like what i'm <laughs> yeah, it's right. badly worded but also trying to ask, like, yeah. right? we do i'm trying to ask like team. maybe what was difficult for you and then 
what like, was difficult for me yeah. i think i think was kind of there's there's a public speaking aspect to teaching a course and i think you know i come from a kind of introverted programming background and so for me it was hard to get to the point where you could record a lecture without saying um all the time for example oh yeah i, remember and that. I think ben <laughs> said to me the best thing to do is to edit out all your ums for a while and then you'll stop saying them and that worked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> that seems <Yeah>. harsh. <laughs> <laughs> right? Not employ someone else to edit your hums out, but just go <laughs> suffer the pain yourself. It worked. <laughs> did, did. Sorry, what? It's a little, it's a little deaf. It's just, it's just age, don't worry. <laughs> it, it is. I'm getting deaf as I get older. I'm older than you got. I'm surprised. Oh, goodness. Am I the oldest on this? podcast i don't know i turned 46 here in two days ah well that yeah you're way 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 older than me <laughs> oh come on i see the white in yeah. your beard yeah, Rick, <laughs> we gotta be pretty days, close yeah. look at this like this is this is child number one this is child number yeah. two like these gray bits on my beard Each hair is pretty much the same for me as well yeah <laughs> um but to, okay serious answering of question uh, a couple of things popped into my head one is that uh the the tone that we try to bring as instructors is someone's friend. And I think this is what sets us apart from a lot of other folks out there who are struggling with focusing on, I must say the right thing. They're so embedded in need to say the correct thing. This needs to be technically, technically accurate, need to have the best code possible. And it's not as nice to learn that it might be accurate, but people, they can hear it in your voice. And if you're listening to someone, as I know people have told me time and time again, Oh, Rick, I've been listening to you for like 50 hours. Good Lord. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of commitment to listen to one person's voice. So you've got to bring that friendliness. You're going to be like, okay, you and me, we're going to take this on. It's going to be great. We're going to not a problem. We've got this. And if someone hears that energy in your voice, then they'll follow whatever it is, the content you're providing to them. And so that's been, I think one of the things that we've, championed and when we're teaming up with instructors we we look for that we're listening for that is our community going to find this person friendly um it's more than just do they know what they're talking about and that's what we try to communicate and most of the success we've had in our courses has been more of the extemporaneous off the cuff style of teaching we don't have a script that we read out and again i know that's a, the style thing people can make smashing great content by reading from a script but I think what our particular community responds to is it's just us hanging out, having a chat, trying to, you know, teach you some stuff. Just like we're doing yeah. now. Yeah, absolutely. Like we're doing and, and I think, you know, that was, that was a big challenge. Um, talking about, you know, the, the public speaking aspect was that kind of doing it off the cuff can be really scary. Um, there's a security in having a script and there's security in kind of reading off a script, but um, you know, it just doesn't come out the same, no matter how, how well you rehearse the script. Um, it's just going to come out like a scripted thing. <laughs> <laughs> just sounds One of the other things that, that a lot of folks don't, don't realize is that we've learned that uh, quite often the best person to teach a beginner is a beginner. And so we, we're not looking for experts who are, you know, world leaders in unity, for example, we're looking at people who really understand what is a beginner going to get stuck on and trip on. And then as someone develops, what, what does it mean to talk to someone who's beginner plus? And then when they get to intermediate, what do they need when they're intermediate? So it's really about matching the tone of your approach and the, the speed you go and what you say to the level someone's at. Yep. Well, sir. Which comes to a counter, counter, like a counter question, the one you asked, which is what's difficult now that we've done so many courses. And I think, I think probably for all of us, the real challenge is, is getting back to the beginner mindset because we've done these courses mm. so many times now. We've done these, you know, we've, we've redone the Unity course, the Unreal course. We've um, taught intermediate content. Um, and so it can be challenging to get back, which is to, to some extent why we're also partnering with other instructors as well to help us bring a bit of the fresh teaching styles um, as well as the, the fresh perspectives. Well said. Now, Lucy, this is your first time on the podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> let's let everyone know exactly how you got started with Gamed.tv. Yeah. So I don't do cameras and talking um, and the guys have tried lots over the years good beginner i'd be a good beginner instructor um but no it's not it's not my not my forte what got um, you to do this you <laughs> 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 tell us tell us kp how did you how did you do it 
I don't even know. I don't even Lucy oh, said to us, KB, Lucy said many times, look, you guys, if I'm instructing and doing everything else, I'm going to make you all look terrible because I'll be doing everything. So I'll let you guys have the instructing part of it. The on-camera, fine, you have that. So you, Or else she's just going to dominate. She's going to be... Yeah. Bless you. She yeah, says that every just, other day. She's yeah, saying that. putting you all to shame. Exactly. I think, Kevin, you tricked her into it, didn't you, just by saying this is a meeting about the 100th podcast rather than it <laughs> oh, is yeah, the 100th podcast? Exactly yeah. We're not actually recording at the moment. Don't worry about it. Well, that's what I told Brees about the Kickstarter video, right, in the beginning, was we're not recording this and we won't put it out. Wow. So, that's why he's picking his nose halfway through. Yeah. How often what happens when you press the record button? But back to Lucy. So she managed to dodge the question, so we needed to put it back on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Deflected. Um, I, how did I get into it? So I met um, Ben at a co-working event, and um, he was just, hadn't even started with the Kickstarter at that point, was kind of doing a bunch of different stuff, and I started working with him, and then the Kickstarter happened, and I remember being asked to watch the opening content of the first Unity course. Um, very quickly made I'm not I'm full hands up I'm not a gamer or a coder or anything of that which the guys can testify because we were playing oculus quest at the weekend together and um very bad very bad they were all just you got the highest score you got the highest score <laughs> yeah, exactly I got the highest score she's lying but to us <laughs> we exposed the winning thing was meant to have the lowest score it was it like was, it was a golf high yeah. numbers is yeah. not good oh, oh. <laughs> yeah it was vr frisbee golf she was wow. a, yes but... yeah so i think i got like 40 and everyone else had like two or three so Ben tried to throw the frisbee for me at one point because I think he was getting a bit like, can we just move on? Um, but yeah, so that's, so that's how I got involved with it. And then, yeah, six years later, I'm loving it. And, and here we are. Beautiful. And, and how did you bring out your personality onto the Twitter and Facebook and all the other social media platform? Is that what uh, went wrong with it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoy that. That's my favorite bit is communicating with the community. So it's awesome that, you know, that I'm able to do that every day. I love doing that. Mm-hmm. You should come on a podcast more. Maybe. You on camera more. <laughs> we, should, we should put Lucy We're in work. charge of the community. We're working on it. We're working on it. Right. <laughs> what do you guys see for the future of GameDev.TV? Well, I think we'll be quite aligned on this because we do have a lot of conversations about uh, where we're hoping to head with GameDev.TV. And I think what we, we see game dev tv as is is much more than just like a collection of courses with a great community i think we want this um experience to be really much more of a, a wholesome and complete experience uh for students a whole learning experience around game development and uh, allowing you as students to create and grow yourselves personally um so that's what we're kind of like aspire to achieve with game dev tv and that's what we want to build game dev tv out into and it's challenging to to know how to do that and what kinds of other experiences need to be part of game dev tv um but that's what we're working on and um so yeah watch this space i guess we're kind of we're going to want to to do more things with game dev tv than just create courses well i can't do anything but read out our vision can i which is to build the <laughs> to build the most loved online learning experience for game developers yes um, i i think being open to like we've got our plans and our structure and our goals and our dreams and all that kind of stuff but i think being very open to what the community wants and particularly when it comes to content creation we still go to the community and say here's eight things we're thinking about what do you want uh, and hey, what's what's fresh at the moment? What's interesting, particularly with recently was the Unity multiplayer course. It was a conversation about what do you want us to do next, and overwhelmingly multiplayer. And then after that, overwhelmingly mobile. And so, I think if we get too prescriptive on here's what we're going to do as a business, we're going to miss the fact that we have customers who are looking to um, to consume what it is that we're creating. Uh, so it's just being open that continually. You know, maybe in three years' time, we'll be doing something completely different. And that's exciting if it matches what the community is asking for. Nice. And Lucy? Yeah, I think all of all of the above, what they said. Yes. Um, just, what about the community yeah. part, like the social media? I just continue to grow it and, and listen to what people want from us and try and provide them 
with that and wherever it is they hang out that's always been our thing it's not like you have to be where we say we want to come and be where you are and Mm -hmm. and help you in that way so whether it's on discord or on twitter or on facebook or on instagram or you know wherever people are hanging out and want to hear from us then it's good to have a presence there and and be able to give them what they want but discord's a great case in point right i remember sitting in a kid's soft play area looking after the kids when i finally broke when the third i think the third or the fourth unofficial discord channel had popped up um and i was just getting bored of shutting these things down i thought hang on a minute the people want discord so i just took the most popular of the unofficial discords and said guys can you transfer the ownership and we'll tidy it up and thank you very much and let's let's take it from here and make it official and that was very much we were trying to say we don't want discord i mean basically because we didn't want another thing to manage but the community just kept making unofficial discord channels and went horribly bastardizing our logos and um and stuff like that but just trying to do their best to make a to make a discord channel that that, that felt like game dev tv um and nobody was giving them the resources the graphics that what they needed to do it so eventually we just said right of course um that's what you want we're going to do it and uh, and we'll always bow to that pressure in the end because the customer's always right you know so we might resist a little bit but if you really want something keep keep fighting and we'll do it we're going to do it <laughs> it's funny how all these unofficial things keep uh, cropping up <laughs> like the reddit <laughs> <laughs> the podcast the game jam you know the game jam for the first two years i think was unofficial it was only you know fully with our support but not really with massively with our involvement and so it's awesome that the community set up these things and run with them and then we can help out in whatever way we can but they're driven so much by you guys yeah the best source of inspiration really is yeah the great stuff that you guys are doing so yeah community 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 is yeah. uh that's how this podcast started too. don't forget yeah. the community <laughs> I remember yeah. uh, Aaron, Ricardo, Brian, a couple of us were like, you know what? We keep having these conversations. What if we just turn into the game dev podcast and got other yeah, developers and just had like roundtable discussions? <laughs> and here we are. A hundred episodes, Kevin. It's amazing. You're like a train. Yeah, thing. well done, it's you so guys. awesome. Yeah. yeah I've, I've been listening in the car. I subscribed in the car to the podcast. And yes. I, got I the mean, new logo too. Yeah. Coming along. Yeah. I, I'm curious if I can ask you guys, the podcast co-hosts, uh, what's the most difficult part of the process not about podcasts necessarily, but about game development for you guys. What's, what have you found or what do you find is the biggest challenge to increasing your game development skills or making a game or getting better in that whole area? Um, the, my one thing is stop trying to do everything. <laughs> huh. But uh, yeah, it's really, my thing is trying to f- pick a focus and then double down on that and then become really good at it. So lately, that mm. is now C++ and Unreal. But before, I was literally doing all courses. Like, Monday would be one course, and Tuesday would be another course. And then I had other yeah. things to do in my life. So I'd be like, yeah, I am learning stuff, but I still feel like I'm not mastering something. <laughs> but yeah, that's been my mm. trouble. Yeah, unfortunately for me, the biggest challenge mostly is just time. Um, it takes a lot of time just writing code, I've discovered, to get mm-hmm. good at writing code. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, everything that you guys have have shown me in each of the different courses has, you know, exposed me to some new concept. And then I spend, you know, what time I have learning about that until I feel like I've mastered it and and move on. It's kind of a never ending, you know, drip of stuff to to research and learn about. It's it's exciting for me. I I enjoy learning is really the key thing for me. (laughs) Mm. I think Aaron touched a good point there. I also the the two moments in my life I actually learned a lot of game development. I had a ton of free time, and that's not something I really have right now. So I'm not like progressing or like creating games, and I have a bunch of cool ideas and mechanics I prototyped, and I mean they're in the hard drive, like in a drawer somewhere. Uh, but um. Mm-hmm. Being unemployed is pretty good when you want to, you know, <laughs> development. You know, I keep forgetting about this, but I wanted to add, actually, um, even though I had taken the C-sharp course first, the Unity course, I didn't actually complete that and actually had started on and did the Unreal course, but I was working at a, at a former employer, and they had a HoloLens project that they wanted me to do. So I ended up firing up the Unity course and just doing, like, the first seven or eight lessons that kind of taught you how the UI works for the editor. And that was like really, really valuable. It was enough to get me because I knew 
knew how to write C sharp code pretty decently to begin with. So it was more, and I was using the HoloLens SDK. So it had a very specific API. It was kind of like a very niche, mm. you know, realm of knowledge. So just like, just taking that, you know, the beginning of that course, just to learn, you know, how do you link things together and what's what on the screen was perfect. Right. Yeah. Right. Brian, you were the, you were the last one for my big question. Yeah. So I would say time, it's always a big factor. So the other mm. two things that I, I would say would wind up being, I'm horrible at reading the programming documentation. So when you start getting into the Unreal documentation or even sometimes in the Unity documentation, it's just very, I wouldn't say dry, that's not the right word, but it's just sometimes it's very hard to kind of read and piece together. C Sharp's much easier than the C++ side. Uh, the, the next side, I guess, would be how to figure out the intermediary skills. Like I can see a game, say, uh, take RimWorld, for example, if you're familiar with it, and just kind of how they lay out their game. How would you go about implementing that even on a very simplistic level with hundreds of objects on a screen, things like that? If I just throw that into Unity, it'll choke. But obviously they made it work. So how do they go about making it work? And then what's that next step to kind of improve performance on a game? Yeah, you're kind of stealing a little bit from the QA question that I wanted to ask here pretty soon, which was basically something along those lines. <laughs> I'll stop talking then. <laughs> yeah, no, no, seriously, though. I mean, he's right on peg there, right? So, you know, what I was, it was kind of part of what I was trying to get at to answer your question was like, you know, it takes time to learn how to do all of this stuff. And, and as you learn more about the languages, you start to see how those bigger and bigger applications kind of build together and stuff. And that's, yeah, you, you, you know, your courses, the courses that you, we've got so far you know kind of they they're a series of smaller pieces and I've, i'm like really excited to see you know in the future i feel like you guys will continue to build those pieces into like a larger foundation that can turn into kind of like a, a larger framework for developing games uh, you know I, I don't know if that's you know in your roadmap or not but you know that's how i feel like it's it's head and that that would be of great value yeah. to me for sure it's hard to learn what you don't know exists <laughs> which is what it kind of comes down especially in the big game engines they have a lot of parts that aren't well documented yes and it's aaron what you're talking about it's a tricky one for us as well because we we understand very clearly what it takes to get someone from you know zero to not too bad like there's a yeah. very obvious journey for that but from not too bad to competent at creating a big fully fleshed out lots of pieces plugging together game mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. there's some of the things that we've tried on that front have been for example the rpg project I that ben and i were working yeah. on mm -hmm. goodness me three or four years ago and we took a very <laughs> let's make it the way we would make a a big project and just dive into it and get going and we learned some things along the way that we need a little bit more structure for students than let's make it the way you would actually make a game. Cause it's frustrating yeah. to watch someone make a game the way you actually make a game, because there's a lot of things that aren't a good <laughs> learning conversation. Uh, but to just show the, the depth of it. And now with Sam uh, creating the next bits for the RPG, there's a lot in it that show when you're making a big beast, here's how you need to consider things to, to have it all plugged together, even just conversations like namespacing to keep things organized. So we've tried to satisfy somewhat of that. The challenge is that because each project is so specific to that project, if you're making a huge um, RPG, it's different to a huge first person shooter, different to a huge racing game. So each time we look at how do we architect something that's a bit generic, it doesn't fit the bill. It doesn't teach you how to do it. So ultimately a lot of the game development challenge is getting in there and doing it yourself when you get stuck, asking for help for the specific thing at the moment you're stuck on, but discovering it through doing it. And that's, you know, it, it's not so good as an educator to say, just go do it and figure it out. <laughs> but I think once you get to a certain point, you have to, you have to take off the training wheels and just ride right. down the street yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you'll find a lot of, a lot of times there that you can find some fantastic blog posts on places like Gama Sutra, where the developers of indie games are just sharing with you. Um, I mean, this is interesting as a learning resource, but more, even more interesting is that you can see 
that clearly they've battled against this problem for months and months trying to figure out how on earth am I going to do this without sacrificing performance, having, you know, having all the effects that I want. What are, and, you know, eventually they've said, okay, well, if I make this and this compromise and if I use this method that I discovered in unity, then, you know, it works. It has the, you know, it has the, um, it has the properties that are good enough for my game. Um, and, I think that's that's quite interesting to see is because like people expect that oh you become a game developer at some point and that's when <laughs> you any any challenge that comes up is going to be easy you know it's just like yeah I've done that before done a hundred of those let's do another one um, but I think in reality um, any any project that you're trying to do that's a little bit novel will often come up against these things. Um, and you'll see there's a lot of experimentation going on. I thought I saw a really great YouTube video the other day um, where they were trying to dissect how to do portals, for example, through in Unity and um, how, how you have to render the texture and place the camera to correctly render the portal with the right perspective. And then how do you deal with the collision objects and objects that are halfway through portals and things like that. And, and then still at the end of all of that, it, he's like, but then there's this one edge case where things are going to go wrong. But, you know, <laughs> for most cases in this game, it kind of works. So uh, we just exactly yeah, like brush it over under the rug, which is another thing with games is that you're trying to create the illusion of reality, right. not reality <laughs> itself. So at some point, if it works for your game and you can game design around the problem, then that's another way to go for it. <laughs> yeah, which is particularly tricky when my six-year-old son comes along, having seen a youtube video will come up with a game idea and he seems to think i can just make a game in five minutes from him. he was doing exactly this the other day he got me in unity he goes daddy make portals i'm like render textures cameras perspective exactly that and i'm messing around trying to make a portal with him and it, it's just like dude he's like come on come on it's taking too long i'm like dude it's not supposed to do this <laughs> born <laughs> project manager and like, oh, when you cases... go through that portal you should fall the other way i'm like oh <laughs> shut up <laughs> in a lot of cases watching the courses is like watching like the magic right because the truth is when you're sitting there actually writing this code you don't get it right like on the first try like you do in the course right <laughs> i mean you make you know minor mistakes here and there that you'll go back and correct something but like you know when, you, when you're doing it you're like you're getting it the way that you want it in the end whereas when you're sitting there writing code for yourself a lot of times you're just kind of you know you're like hey, let me try this let me try that let me try this let me try that until you find the one that works right yeah for I mean, me interestingly i I can't write, I can't make a game on my own. I can do it at the speed I can, that it takes to make a course. I can make the prototype, I can make good code, but only because I slow down enough to kind of get traction with mm. myself. If I try mm. and just sit and do a project on my own, like with my son, even though he's rushing me, even if he wasn't, I can't do it because I'm trying to go faster than I can actually go. But the mm. thing with a course that actually really helps is it takes hundreds of hours um, to, to prototype and then make the course. And that's about as long as it needs to take me to do it properly. Right, um, right. So that slowing down has may have been incredibly was when I was busy making the courses and the games incredibly useful to, to slow down, slow almost slow down to speed up. Um, and, and I think this has been it's been a bit of a challenge with the course making is that now we um, we tend to prototype uh, before we record a course which is you know kind of pr preparatory work that means that then we are able to look like we don't make mistakes on screen but i feel like you know when we do this because we don't want to waste your time going down the wrong direction and then going back and you just have to watch hours and hours of us doing that um so it, but it's a, it's a fine balance because then so I'm, I'm fairly sure a lot of students get come away with the the sense that like oh i can't write it correctly first time um so i'm not i'm not there yet i'm not as good as the instructors but we can't write it right the first time <laughs> yeah you don't need to be able to it a few times <laughs> as a student you don't need to be if you're taking a course and it's got six sections you don't need to be able to do a project like section six after having watched section six think about having watched and done all the challenges in section six being able to do the games from section three maybe um you know so it's a, it's it's the learn it's is a spiral learning it's like it, it's uh oh, what is the proper wh whose term is it it's gone out of my mind um whose learning theory is this Synth ending up in synth synthesis and understanding and recall i can't remember who's anybody remember that um i know yep I the know learning model it kind yeah. of applies to that is that initially you can just follow along and then later on you can add to following along by actually making Bl some of your own adjustments and uh, and then you can start to understand 
Yeah, What's that? Bloom, sorry. Bloom's taxonomy. Black Bloom's taxonomy. taxonomy. Yeah. So on that basis, you can't. If you if section six is the latest thing you've taken, don't expect to be able to stop and make a game as complex as section six. Try and make a game a few sections back, and then you'll be you'll find how far you've come along. You'll realise just how far you've come when you try and do something simpler than you're currently doing in the courses. There's also we we try to preach this a lot, but I I know that in terms of if you're creating a project, do something that's iterative as opposed to innovative when you're, when you're learning. I know a lot of people have in their heart, oh, here's the, you know, the, the 2D RPG I've been wanting to make since I was eight years old and they really want to make that particular game, but you're just not ready for it yet until you've poked around with enough different parts of game development. So the first handful of games that you're making should be Okay, I went through a course and we made a top-down shooter. Now I'm going to make a top-down shooter where you, you know, things explode differently or uh, you know, some sort of switching mechanic. Or you add to it, you iterate on it, and you do that for two or three or four projects. And then you get to the point where, like, okay, I've got enough clues now on how I should start and how I should evolve my dream project. But uh, classic mistake of indie developers, they start with their dream project as project number one. You know, five years later, they're still working on that dream project and not willing to, you know, sacrifice it. I've looked too much, too much into this. And they keep going I, I'm, on. I'm on solution iteration number 10 of my dream project. <laughs> <laughs> what, five years? It's actually been five years, right? <laughs> yeah, about five years now. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and it's exactly what he's saying, though. I mean, I restart the solution with things that I learn and restructure it in a way that makes more sense. It's still the same project, though. <laughs> I'm just not yeah. working on different projects. <laughs> Doesn't listen to the don't make well. Model. Yeah, yeah. Make well. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Awesome. So now that we've had a great discussion, I'm going to go into Q&A. So the community had some questions to ask. And actually, I want to start with you, Lucy. Are you ever going to make a course? <laughs> Didn't we cover this earlier? Um, never, never say never. Um, that's really unlike. <laughs> no, but the real question, though, is this is kind of like a business side, and it's either going to be you or Ben's going to answer this one. But this is from Yang. He has a lot of good questions, you know. He said, game TV is currently coding focused. I imagine part of the reason why is because most level design tools require money like World Creator, World Machine, Gaia Pro. Does TV intend to bring in experts from artistic fields to possibly expand to these other fields or are there barriers, upfront costs, limit audience, just too much to make such courses worthwhile? Well, we are. I mean, we are doing that now, right? We've got a successfully funded 2D Kickstarter, 2D drawing, and that doesn't need even any software. So that's uh, that's a foray into that area straight away. Uh, and Blender, of course, is, a, is away from coding. So yeah, absolutely. I think if you come back in a year, you'll find that 50% of our of our major strands are art-based, Blender and 2D art. So We, we try but to yes, stay away that from... barrier is a part of it, the, co Sorry. the cost. The, the, the fact that a lot of those software are not free, that is quite important to us, that they are free. Um, or that we can get a deal with the, with the software provider, which hasn't actually transpired yet with anything. So. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We try to stay away from paid applications. And, and also, it's, uh, if the community is demanding something, then we look into it and we see how we can do it. If only one or two people have a passion for a particular thing, then we look at it and from a business point of view, say that it's not necessarily the right thing to do. But... You know, when a lot of people make noise, it happens. Mm -hmm. Like Lucy teaching a course. If there's enough noise. Yeah, yeah. enough noise, guys. <laughs> now, this one's for anyone, but GameDev.tv's main challenge seems to be around what they can teach. The moment something makes it into a course curriculum, it has to be maintained and updated for future updates, engineering industry best practices, etc. However, there are some things that just cannot be taught in a general course and demand going in-depth to tackle complex architecture. The RPG course is a great example of this. What are GameDev.tv's future plans in terms of positioning? Does it want to just be the best beginner course available and focus primarily on that? Or is there a greater vision? I think um, we do want to do more stuff to, to support intermediate or beginner intermediate folks. Um, there's definitely, uh, historically, we've had a slant towards the more beginner focused stuff because the nature of online learning, I think you've all said, you know, is that you have a lack of time. Um, and that as a result, that means that the number of students we get in on beginner courses, the number of students we can help with a beginner course is so much more than the number of intermediate people we can pick up. 
um, and we want to help the intermediate people. But when you consider how many more people you're getting off the ground with beginner content, it's really important that we grab, you know, we, we grab as much as that as possible and help people with those courses. So we put a lot of focus on the beginner for that reason. And intermediate wise, it's also, we're still trying to discover the best ways to teach intermediate content. And we, we talked about the RPG and we talked about some of the experiments that went on there. We've done different styles of teaching as, as part of our experiments with the RPG. Um, and I think that's something that we're continuing to try and improve is the ways that we teach intermediate students so that we can um, basically, yeah, uh, better support folks to, with their ongoing learning journeys. And the, the solution might not be more of the same, but more advanced, but it might be different sorts of um, learning altogether. Because as an intermediate student, you probably know yourself, you know, it's frustrating when the project doesn't really match up with what you want to do. You just want to kind of go off and do something. You want to figure out how to do this one thing, or you want to improve in this one particular area. And everything becomes more unique once you're an intermediate student your particular experiences are slightly different to the next person's and that obviously becomes really challenging for a cookie cutter course where everybody's taken from the same starting point to the same ending point it gets frustrating for everyone great answer now this Kevin, a, on that yeah. and at the moment seven out of about 20 you're not exactly sure how many courses we have and say 27 something like that about a quarter of our courses are intermediate that's actually from a business point of view a bit too many at this point for the size of the the community the number of people who've got through them but long term the answer is simple it's it's driven by you guys again the more people get through the beginner content and demand um intermediate content the more it becomes commercially viable to, and sustainable to do it the, the the challenge with intermediate takes basically i always say it takes 10 times as long to make and there's 10 times less people who want it so you as the community grows, the, the latter problem goes away, but it also takes a lot longer to make. So um, it's just producing it in proportion to the amount. We're very much a beginner weighted pyramid. It's very much the focus is on the beginner. But over time, we're not going to let people who've taken the beginner content just leave us. We're going to provide them something else. Now, whether that's intermediate content, whether that's um, a way of continuing to challenge and push themselves, whether that's a way of deepening their learning, uh, to, you know, watch this space. But we are not going to forget about people who have consumed our beginner content. But that is our prime focus at the moment is, is getting millions of beginners started. But also there, remember it's... that it was that I said we're almost there. We got 700,000 plus. Yeah. 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 What were you going to say? Nothing. Oh, Nothing worth it. Nothing, Nothing worth, worth it. it. Is there any game that you have when you're younger that inspired you to do what you're doing now? Hundreds of games. For yeah. Me. Hundreds. I, exactly. Yeah. I often, um, in the past I've prepared like, you know, way ago when I was having conversations, interviews or, um, you know, whether me trying to get a job or me interviewing people on a podcasty type thing, I'd just jot down all the games that have influenced me or games that I'm playing at the moment. And it's just hundreds of them from every different genre. And I think when you're a, when you're a student of game development, you play games and you study them and you understand them and you watch them. So, um, yeah, I, there's not any one specific game that I played and went, ah, I really want to get into this. Although there was one example of i was playing um nhl uh sorry not um uh what's the football version of nhl um it's been a while um, the you mean the soccer FIFA? or football and nfl yeah okay yeah let's not open that can of worms the, if i was in the usa and i was playing football it would be the one oh, where you you know it's like three seconds of awesome and then you know 15 minutes of standing around doing football you play the football line. you play with your hands basically yeah yes that's right yeah um and it was uh, ea had created um nfl have i got the right nfl street and i love the street versions of these games it's more kind of characterized and and fun and crazy and there was an after that there was a kind of behind the scenes type video with the team at ea talking about how they created it. And that for me was an aha moment, seeing the artists and the programmers and the designers at the EA campus. So I was really inspired by that. And as a result, I ended up finding myself in Vancouver, which is where EA's headquarters are. Um, and just immersed. I, it was real. I could see people making it, not just the product, but the actual folks making it. So that had an impact on me being interested in being a game developer, whatever that was, 16 years ago. I was trying to think of some of the formative games that I played. I think um, one of them was probably 
was probably RuneScape, um, mm. which is really quite um, amusing because now it's kind of come full circle and I've gone and done consulting at Jagex. Um, so it's really quite interesting to have gone to the company that, that produced that game. And for them, you know, it's still a really big source of revenue, <laughs> the classic RuneScape. So, um, so yeah, that was really interesting. Maybe you and Ricardo could team up and get someone on JJX to come on. Best game ever. <laughs> 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 now, uh, Lucy, what got you inspired to do like community work? Or, like, not really games per se, but anything. Just, I'm always, whatever job that I've done, uh, my thing has always been to help people. I really like to help people and I like to talk people and see how I can be helpful. <laughs> I just want to be helpful. <laughs> um, and I so, I just, I just. <laughs> Um, and so I think that naturally kind of fits in then with a community and talking to people um, and yeah I kind of got into digital marketing about a decade ago and again so that was sort of building communities online and talking to people and it's just developed it's just developed from there mm -hmm. but um, yeah just it is it's just a, a desire to want to be helpful <laughs> I don't know why this keeps popping to the top of my head. It shows how old I am, and it's really rudimentary. But I really connected with Thrust for some reason. Anybody know? Even remember oh, Thrust? You're a little triangle, and you can th yeah, you're a triangle that can like fire rocket juice out the bottom, and you have to pick up these orbs, and the orbs swing you around. You have to get out of a cave. Um, I don't know. I really like that. Um, I really enjoyed finally recreating it. We yeah, never actually made that into a section, did we? Because I remember making a prototype of thrust um just relatively easy in unity we never actually made it into a game but it's cool it's a cool project game. boost project boost, pretty cool. project yeah. boost was of. very thrust inspired yeah we never did the picking up yes it was project boost um we we ditched the whole picking up things mechanic and the whole refueling mechanic as well i think but yeah uh, but there's loads of games i mean over the over the years you know wolfenstein 3d the first time i played that you know which wasn't even really 3d but it kind of looked it um, Ghostbusters always sticks in my mind, the original Ghostbusters game, because oh, somebody said game. something. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 this guy goes, you are like the buzzing of flies to him, in like voice in a game. There was actual speech with 8-bit, you know, there was 8-bit audio, and they somehow managed to squeeze speech out of it. Um, so there were lots of formative mo moments like that, where, um, you know, one at a time just build up some excitement. So, yeah. And there's loads of others. Awesome. Another question the community has is what's the plan for like 2021? What courses are you guys having? Specifically like the pure C++, is that going to come out in 2021? And any other courses you guys have? Prefer that to yes. Yeah, lots of, you know what? We've learned our lesson about promising courses that are still in development. Because <laughs> then the community is like, hang on a minute. You said you were going to do the such and such. And we need to keep ourselves a little bit flexible. But we um, definitely will have more Unity content and we're currently investigating, that's a non-committal way of saying working on, investigating uh, mobile course because that's what the community is, has asked for. We, we've known for a long time we'd like to do a pure C++ course. That's definitely being investigated as well. Um, we've got this really cool drawing course you guys might have heard about. There's this Kickstarter uh, that drawing course, I think is going to crush it. It's going to be so much fun. I'm looking forward to cracking out the pencil sharpener and doing some work on that uh, as well. I think that's going to be really cool and, um, making sure that our, our current courses are kept up to date. So we're currently behind the scenes, remastering the unity 3d course. And that will be, I, I imagine January or February to be safe, just in case something happens. Um, we'll open that up to the, to the public to um, access that in Unity 2020.1. And then um, in addition to that, Ben sort of mini alluded to this before, we've got a couple of initiatives that we're looking to, um, to have that are complementary to the courses that will allow people who are short of time to practice their skills, hone their skills and uh, work on that craft without needing to sit down and go through a particular lecture flow. So there's a lot we're looking on that at looking at that we've not yet kind of promised, committed to launch that we'll have to keep as a little bit of a secret. But um, yeah, I'd say there's probably about six or seven things in development right at the moment. Is there a course to learn? Will there ever be a course to learn like CGI and VFX or is that like just in Blender already? uh cgi and special effects i think that would be a section within other courses so yeah if um if if there's demand then we'll sneak it in but not as much of a standalone course 
And now someone else was asking, are you guys planning to do any type of like audio course? Same sort of thing. If the community demands it, we've talked about it for a long time that we'd love to do it. We've got it on the radar. Uh, it's just a matter of, of um, enough people being interested in it. But yes, that's definitely of interest. <laughs> Another big question, but GameDev.tv primarily uses free tools slash assets. Has GameDev.tv ever considered making courses that use common paid assets? A good example is like ShaderGraph. Vast majority of quality shader assets in the store don't use Unity ShaderGraph. Then you use Amplify Shader Editor. ShaderGraph gets an update every now and then. Is you guys plan on using like free stuff like that? Using paid software? Is that paid or I think policy to avoid paid software unless there's a really good reason to do so. Uh, just so it's as accessible as possible to people without giving them that barrier. But um, right. yeah, things to do with shaders as well. Every now and again, someone's super excited about it, but it's as Ben was talking about before, it's one of those things that I think is going to be a bit deeper, take longer and have less folks um, as interested in at this point in time. So we don't have that one on the roadmap just at the moment. A lot of these questions are pretty much the same thing. Are you going to make this course? Are you make that course? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unity versus Unreal? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. One person was like, the possibility of future Unreal C++ courses. You guys could totally rule the market with that. I'm like, yeah. Don't you dare ask about Unreal 5, please. <laughs> People are already like, where's the Unreal 5 course? I don't know. Where's Unreal 5? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like any dots. Come on, you got that. All right, so I guess this is pretty much it. But there's one thing we got to do before you guys head off. I don't know how we're gonna do this, but somebody wants a rap battle. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if we get Ricardo or Aaron. You got any ideas how we're gonna make this happen? This was not my idea, man. That's all Mine. you. Who? <laughs> that was my idea. <laughs> Did a, who, who was it? <laughs> Okay. It could have been that. Who I was joking when I agreed. Okay. Not on screen. <laughs> yeah. If, it's, if it has microphone. to be a rap battle, I, I feel like it has be. to be between Sam and Rick, though. I think it's yes. Unreal <laughs> versus Unity. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> That'd be funny. Pre yeah. We'll prepare one, Rick. We're doing a Unreal you go, yeah. versus Unity. Um, oh, we have Unreal versus Unity. Unity. Battle. There you go. <laughs> a festive one for Christmas. Yes. For like some tune of like mashed up jingle bells or something. If, if cool. anybody, if anybody is good at writing raps and wants to write a rap for us, I'm sure me and Rick would be game for it and to do an epic <laughs> rap battle against each other. But I cannot write rap. So. I think also doing rap off the top of one's head. I know if I try to rhyme things, everything ends up rhyming with fart and poo. So you don't want me to try to rap. <laughs> I was about to offer, but then I realized that's my problem. And is that that's I can make I things rhyme care. in real time, but it's all just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny that, that works perfectly to the overall challenge that we'll have for this episode is come up with a rap battle, send the lyrics and the stuff unity versus unreal. And oh we'll, we'll get this happening one day. <laughs> Love that. If it's a little earlier in the day, Kevin, I'll do Go it. I'll do it here. off the cuff. All right. Okay. We'll make this happen. <laughs> but yeah, sure so this is Swedish uh... passion fruit cider is gonna, gonna lend itself to a rap battle. Mental clarity. Oh, I can't wait for this. We got to like, we got, a, we got a line for Rick Sounds and Ryan. Like yeah. Yo, we're here Sounds to learn like a name about of a art. Rapper. <laughs> Yo, we did. Thank you. We're here to learn about art. We're not in a zoo. <laughs> yeah, it all just everything ends up ending with zoo or art. Trust me. I've, yeah, oh, man. Oh, it's great. But yeah, so this was this was awesome having you guys on for episode 100 to celebrate us making it to 100 episodes, and hopefully we'll get to 200 Centenary. by sometime. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for all the hard work, you guys, for yeah, putting amazing. together the podcast and talking to the community. You've had so many awesome guests on. I think it's a testament to the commitment of the community that you guys are out there doing such great work. So thank you for all the hard work. Thank you. Thank you. And you certainly got our attention and our support now, Kevin. So as you'll see, we'll continue to throw more and more resources and help your way now and really appreciate it. No, thank you. Yet another initiative that we just couldn't say no to because good people made it happen. I appreciate that. And then Sam and Lucy, you just want to say your last words and then wind it off. Yeah, just uh, I think I echo what everyone else has said. It's just um, such such a privilege, and uh, I've had a had a blast really having a conversation with you all. So thank you. Nice. Yeah. Make sure it rhymes, Lucy. No. <laughs> Same pressure. It was so good all the way along. I was feeling zero pressure. Now, the now spotlight's on you, Lucy. Ready? No, <laughs> just kidding. No, 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 it was no. Thank you so much. Thank you, Toby, for yeah, for everything you've done, getting it to the point, and all of you guys, um, for for making the amazing podcast. And it's 
been fun. And um, yeah, I'll come back on in another hundred. Oh, no, no, no. We're getting you on sooner. <laughs> I've had a blast, but I'm not going last, so you better hang up fast, otherwise. <laughs> Any last but least? Wait, wait, wait. Was that, were you doing some rapping just then? I I was oh, look at that. Oh, he did. Oh, he he stuck it well. in. <laughs> oh. oh, I can't wait. But yeah, so last but not least, Aaron, Brian from Carvey, wants any last words to just reaching 100 and all the hard work we've done? Uh, it's all you, Kevin, man. You have put so much. <laughs> yeah. You are by far the heart and soul of this entire endeavor. And Thank you, Kevin. hats off to you, sir. Great Thank work. You. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to be part of this. Yeah. Thanks for letting us ride your coattails. <laughs> uh, and see you in another hundred. Brian? <laughs> <laughs> we need to start you, planning the thousand then. Well, no, that's a long way from now. 200. We're all just, so small. Don't make wild. <laughs> Don't make wild. No, I'll just reiterate the same thing. I mean, it's, this is all on you. I know this is probably, what, my 12th podcast total. So, Oh, no, come on. You were the first, like, 40. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> but it's been a while. So. Yeah, it has been. That's yeah. good. But yeah, and I just want to say thank you to everyone in the community, you guys, for coming on and just helping me create this podcast and be able to meet all these incredible people that are doing amazing things all around the world. I never thought I'd be doing this, talking to people from Poland, from India, Syria, America, South, like just everywhere. And they all have the same story. And it's just amazing. And I can't wait to hear more. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all courses at GameDev.TV or in the show notes at a discounted price. Get started with your game development journey today.